Hey, hey, we're your hosts. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Jonathan. And we believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give to yourself is the gift of wholeness through integrating all aspects of what it means to be human. And in this podcast, we're bringing you insight, information, and inspiration to move from a stressful to stress-free life. Your journey to becoming even healthier and happier starts right now. Welcome to Wellness Theory, the podcast. So welcome to today's show, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. Today, we want to introduce you to Dan Stillman. Dan is a certified positive psychology practitioner, transformational mindset, and integrative medicine health coach who decided to implement his experience and knowledge by teaching life concepts that aren't commonly taught at home, school, or in the workplace. So welcome to the show, Dan. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. So as always, all of our guests, we'd love for you to just introduce yourself in a little bit more detail and really just kind of let us know, you know, what's life like been like for you and are there any kind of pivotal things that have really shaped obviously your life and your direction of life and um, really just, just want to get to know you. Yeah, well, thank you. Yes. And uh, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've led a pretty interesting life. You know, obviously we don't choose these lives, right? <laughs> We're kind of thrust into them. So when I look back at my life, it's been pretty interesting. And I could see how each piece of or experience that I've gone through has brought me to where I am today. So I'm very lucky to be able to have that, uh, I guess, foresight to see that. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up, I was born 1970, I'm 52 years old. And I was born into a family where my mother, back in 1974, uh, decided to come out of the closet. She was born gay in 1945, and it must have been very difficult for her to live that life and not really get the support that she needed. And up until 1974, if you're familiar with the DSM, which is the book that psychologists use, I don't know if it's the same in other countries, but in the United States, it's called the DSM. It was considered uh, a mental illness to be gay up until 1974. And then they removed that from the book. So at that particular time, my mother decided, okay, I can't live this lie anymore. And she came out of the closet. I'm an only child. And my dad knew that my mom had these feelings, but he still married her anyway. I guess, you know, back then they didn't have a lot of psychology and maybe he didn't get the guidance he needed. So, uh, you know, that was a difficult situation. Um, Because when I was four, I really didn't understand anything about what gay was, being gay or having these feelings. Um, And just going through the divorce was kind of difficult because my mother had a sister who had three children and I was the youngest. And they were like my brothers and sisters because I I was an only child. And as a result of my parents um, breaking up and my mom coming out of the closet, they decided that they didn't want to have anything to do with us anymore. So, you know, that was the first first introduction to like abandonment that I had Mm -hmm. to experience. Um, Of course, it was just difficult, obviously, my dad not being there as well. But my mom did meet someone who I consider like my second mother, right? And thank God she came into my life because it was a very good experience for me. She had two other boys. Her husband had passed away from cancer and I, I was raised in this alternative lifestyle, so to speak. 
Um, but there was some other things. My mom struggled with mental illness and rightly so because of all the things she had to deal with, with her parents not accepting her for who she was. So back then, um, you know, spankings were kind of the normal thing. Today, it's like Dyfus is coming to knock on your door. You can't do that. But my mother would really beat the crap out of me. And, you know, having the abandonment and that physical abuse, um, you know, produced a lot of shame for me. I didn't realize that it was shame. But it was just, I didn't feel like there was something wrong there. Like I didn't feel loved, I suppose, you know, and I didn't understand that until later in life. Um, but just going through that experience, it was very difficult. And my dad, he got remarried when I was probably around nine. And I had two half brothers and one stepbrother, but he decided to move to Florida when I was around that age. So hence I had another abandonment kind yeah. of experience with my dad leaving and the neighborhood that I grew up in that I moved to um, it was a blue collar neighborhood and I'm Jewish um, I was raised Jewish don't really kind of practice that now I'm more believe in the universe but at that particular time I was really the only Jewish kid in the neighborhood and unfortunately I experienced a lot of anti-semitism um, so people would spit in my hair, call me, you know, names. And, you know, on top of the other things that I mentioned, it kind of really took a toll on my self-esteem. <laughs> What's wrong with me? So, and I was the shortest, uh, of all my friends as well. So I got picked on because I was short and blah, blah, blah. But, um, I got to some fights, you know, to protect myself. But that particular time, I think, um, what really helped me with my anxiety. And I, I consider myself an HSP. I don't know if you're familiar with HSP, but it's a highly sensitive person. So, you know, I've always been introspective. It's, my grandmother told me I was the most loving out of all our grandchildren. So, you know, I was really in tune with these feelings and couldn't understand what was going on with me. But I think the one saving grace that I had was I got into sports. I was always athletic. I played baseball and I started lifting weights when I was 13 years old and I continued to do so up until this point and probably until the day I died. But it was, uh, it was kind of my, my stress relief, you know, that it would help me. Uh, so I was into wrestling. I was into uh, baseball, but going through those years and I had friends and, you know, kind of had a, I, you want to say a typical normal childhood, uh, looking at it from the outside, right? But on the inside, I was hurting. You know, I felt sad. I felt abandoned. Um, I didn't understand really what was going on with these feelings. I didn't have the guidance that, you know, someone would give you. My mother would, you know, I would say these things that formed beliefs that I held on to, such as like, I'm not good enough what's wrong with me and probably the worst one I had to deal with is I did something wrong right because when you experience physical abuse or somebody leaves you you're you know subconsciously you think you don't realize that it's the belief that's holding you back that I did something wrong it was about me and that's where the shame was so you know I struggled I went to school obviously I was I was like an average student if I really applied myself I could get really good grades but 
you know, at that point, I think I was just looking for people to like me, you know, because I just experienced all that kind of abandoning abuse. And, you know, I became kind of like a people pleaser and I wouldn't understand, like, I'm such a good person, right? I would be good to like uh, these friends and be there for them. And that was the kind of person I was. People felt comfortable to come speak to me. And then when I needed something, they would just treat me like crap. And I'd be like, why doesn't people like me? And I kind of grew up with that feeling of that insecurity. Um, One thing I think, though, that kept me going, and I did get involved, like, as a teenager, we do experimentation with, like, marijuana, drinking, and I got involved in that to help suppress some of the feelings. But when I did experience something, I think the one thing that always helped kept me going uh, down the right path is I would always look in the mirror and I would say to myself, you're capable of so much more. You're mm-hmm. capable of so much more. And I just kept saying that to myself over and over again. And my mom recognized some of the issues that I was struggling with and she wanted to take me to therapy and I would go to like uh, Jewish family services to go to therapy. But therapy is only good if you're ready for it. I wasn't ready, you know, as a teenager, you don't want to hear anything. You're just like rebellious. You're like, screw you, leave me alone. I don't want to deal with you. You know, let me just party some more and do what I want to do and leave me alone. So fast forward to, uh, you know, when I graduated from high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. It's like most people don't either. Right. So I took a year off before going to um, going to technical school. And my mom was just like, okay, this is 1989. You got to do something with your life. And at that particular time, I kind of was starting to recognize some things because at that time I, I got into, I started listening to a man, you probably think everybody's familiar with Tony Robbins, right? Yeah. So Tony Robbins and I purchased his discs, you know, back then. And I was like reading books. Uh, Wayne Dyer was like a huge person and on channel 13 is like a local network where they raise money he, they put his shows on and i listened to what he had to say so that was the beginning of kind of a self-development of mm-hmm. or you know introspective work that I, I was starting to do on myself but it wasn't enough yet right yeah. i was still kind of struggling with why don't people like me like what's going on right Um, At that time, though, when I was 17, the family that I mentioned to you that abandoned us came back into our lives because one of one of my grandparents passed away. And it wasn't the same. Like I just, you know, there was resentment, like I was holding a lot of resentment. I was holding a lot of anger. Like I was just, you know, having anxiety attacks. Like I was just holding all this energy in that I just didn't know what to do with. So I went to technical school and I, I got a uh, certificate in computer repair and robotics. And I said, okay, what do I want to do with my life? I still feel it was always looking in the mirror saying you're capable of so much more. And I was like, okay, what's the next step that you want to do? Little did I know what I was doing at that particular time. I said, I'm going to join the air force. Right. And when I say little did I not know what I was doing, meaning that I was looking for a geographical cure to try to run away from what was actually, you know, bothering me. And so I joined the Air Force and I went into the Air Force at 22, 1992. And I went in as in, with education. So 
you only had four weeks of basic training, usually six. And I made it to three weeks of basic training. And they tested me because I had a cough and they said, oh, you have asthma, so you're disqualified. So I was like, okay. So they sent me home and that's when I hit bottom. Like that's when everybody has their bottom, right? And that was just like, everything came crashing in on me. All those feelings, you know, even like looking in the mirror, like you're capable of so much more was kind of like on the, on the outs at that particular time. And I basically got on my hands and knees I'll never forget it. And I just cried and I said, God, please help me. I just need some help here. I don't know what to do. And did I have thoughts of suicide? I thought about that, but I was too chicken because I, you know, at that particular time, my concept of God was that if you did that, you go to hell. And I was too afraid of hell because I saw that movie Exorcist and that freaked me out. So I was like, I can't, uh, I don't want to go to hell. So, you know, that was not going to happen. But the next day I woke up and I knew some people who were in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And not that I was an alcoholic, I just didn't know what the hell to do with myself. And I was drinking, but not every day, but I was just like lost. So I went to AA, right? And it was probably one of the best things I could have ever done because they have the 12 step program. And, you know, I went there and that's where I really got a lot of education on how to be working the 12 steps and really just trying to do the work that I needed to do to find out what made Dan Stoneman tick. You know, who, who is Dan Stoneman? So for the next four years, I worked the program. And it was probably one of the best. And, and while I was doing that, I went back to Jewish Family Services to do therapy to find out what was going on with the beliefs to deal with trauma this was like my trauma you know that i had to overcome and what it boils down to was really learning to love myself you know to understand a few things about myself but most importantly becoming vulnerable learning to love myself um and kind of from there you know, I learned a bunch of other things. But so I did that for four years. And what was interesting was, you know, I mentioned that I grew up in a lesbian household. It wasn't too many father figures, right? But in the program, if you're familiar with AA or any of these programs, you get a sponsor. So my sponsor was a male person, right? And many male person people between them. So it was almost like the universe or God put these people, I believe people come into your life for a reason. That's then I believe things happen for a reason. Unfortunately, some bad things, unfortunately, we don't understand why those things happen. But my own personal belief is that things happen for a reason. And I feel like I got the guidance, you know, that I needed from these men. And it, some of it was tough love. Like, you know, when I thought, how come this person doesn't like me? And you know, one of the old timers, he's like 70 years old. He's been sober for 40 years. He's just like, well, what makes you think everybody's going to like you anyway? And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like, but that was just, it was that simple for me to understand. Like when he said that, like something just clicked in my brain. Like, yeah, what makes me think everybody's going to like <laughs> me anyway? Right. But I needed to learn a few things prior. Like he couldn't have said that to me if I didn't like 
build up my self-esteem a little bit more to really understand that. Because if he would have said that to me at a certain point where I just still felt miserable in the beginning, I might have quit AA and went down the wrong path. So it was very, you have to be very careful. What I've learned in my life is when you say certain things and when's the most opportune time to communicate the truth to someone, right? Um, so, you know, I, after from 1992 to 1996, I was in AA and then I decided to leave because I realized I wasn't an alcoholic. But during that time, when I was 23, I wrote these things called the nine ingredients of love. I copyrighted them and I hung them on my refrigerator and their sincerity, courtesy, unselfishness, patience, tolerance, humility, good temper, generosity, and being guileless. And I read those every morning and every night, you know, till I really kind of, instead of thinking that I love myself, moving it to my heart to really loving myself. And I learned about self-centered fear, you know, that most people, which, which, you know, I'm getting to where I'll tell you, this is like an inspiration of why I created my Get Real Deal and Heal course and why I picked these six different things, three antidotes and three negative behavioral patterns that I think people don't realize they're doing, which influences their thoughts, feelings, actions, and results based on their beliefs. So I mentioned self-centered fear, and I didn't realize that I really had a fear of the unknown. That fear of the unknown was like a myth that we've created. And I was just either, I was afraid I was going to lose what I have, or I was afraid I wasn't going to get what I want or needed. And I was either caught in both or I was caught in one or the other, like all the time, instead of like really living in the moment with grace and gratitude, like, you know, and understanding that, you know, if you do certain things and you put the work into it, you know, the universe will say yes immediately, or the universe will say not yet, but be patient, it'll come, right? So, um, you know, so I struggle with that. But, um, you know, moving on after that time uh, from AA, I just kind of confronted my aunt and uncle. I confronted my dad, you know, um, to really understand why they did the things that they did, because I truly believe you can't move on unless you try to find, heal your trauma. And part of healing the trauma for me was to find out why things happened the way that they happened. And it was, it was like a weight lifted off of my shoulders. Now, some of the answers I got, I didn't really like from my aunt and uncle, you know, we really don't have a relationship today because, you know, just because of the answers that they gave me just didn't make sense because, but there's no judgment, you know, we're all at different phases of growth and, you know, we're trying to do the best that we can, but it, it helped put closure for me and helped me heal to move on to the next lessons that I had to learn, yeah. which was getting involved in a relationship. <laughs> and once that happened, you know, um, I got married um, and I have two boys, both 18 and 15. Um, but unfortunately that ended in divorce. And the reason why I got married um, and I knew there were red flags as my mother developed cancer and I wanted her to see that I was going to be okay. Number one. And I wanted her to be able to possibly see her first grandchild. 
And so, and the person who I married, and we're great co-parents, our kids are great. It just, you know, sometimes things don't work out. Um, is because she came from a great family. And I always said, since I didn't come from a great family, I said to myself, if I'm gonna marry someone and I'm gonna have children, I wanna make sure if God forbid anything happens to me, I wanna make sure my kids are gonna be okay. So it's kind of like, I don't know if you sense a theme, but I'm a very giving, loving, caring person. So like I've always thought about other people, um, which it's kind of ties into my story. Um, and, you know, after that relationship, I got into another 10 year relationship. And this is where I learned to become a man, right? Because it's very, you know, we're not giving the playbook men, so to speak, on how to really communicate, express our feelings, express our needs and wants. And this was the next phase of growth for me. And the person who I was with uh, for 10 years, and like I said, I believe people come into your lives for a reason. She was a psychologist, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> but uh, so we were together for 10 years. And, you know, in this relationship, I felt like I was given the playbook on, I don't like to call it how to cure toxic masculinity. I don't like the word toxic. I like to call it uneducated because I think, you know, most men, you know, really are just uneducated. We weren't given the correct playbook. We're given the playbook to say open doors, do this <laughs> and do that, but not really how to communicate our wants and needs, how to not be a people pleaser. And most importantly, accept a strong woman into our life and understand that she's a nurturer, but yet we fight against that, which is odd. So, you know, during that, that time is when I became, you know, really uh, in tune with, opening up my heart and letting someone in to let them help me because throughout my whole life, I've kind of felt like I had to help myself. And I think that's very hard and difficult for people to do, especially if it's the opposite sex for me, since I'm heterosexual, it was hard to do that because I felt like I need to be the breadwinner. I need to have all the answers. I need to support my family. You know, and that was something I didn't realize that I was fighting against something that would be an asset for my life. And, you know, I think that was truly an amazing experience for me. Um, also getting involved in yoga and meditation was truly um, eye-opening for me to, to uh, heal and heal, uh, I guess, heal anxiety that I was experiencing. Um, and that's kind of, and today, fast forward to today, um, you know, it led me to, to what I do now. Um, and because looking back at this story that I just said, I kind of, I just told, I looked at each piece of growing up in a lesbian environment, having the physical abuse, um, you know, doing the geographical cure, having the going through the relationships and the things that I learned, dealing with the shame, um, going into AA and, and you know, uh, healing myself, healing the trauma, just, you know, in 2018 just led me to think about after I got laid off from a job that I was with for 11 years in IT, 
what is your true purpose in life? You know, what is the meaning of your life? And I think, you know, a lot of people don't get that clarity, that aha moment. And I was just like, you know, all these things have to have happened for a reason, you know? So what am I going to do? What can I create? to I can contribute to the world to try and make the world a better place. And that's when I was sitting on the couch and all of a sudden the word, and this is another business that I'm working on, Yomenga came into my mind. Now Yomenga is the word men in between the word yoga. So I immediately looked up to see if the domain name was available. It was, I was like, oh, great. All right, so then I started this business and I said, what, is, what can I create? That because at that particular time in 2018, if you're, you know, with toxic masculinity, uh, Matt Lauer, all these stars and everybody were getting, you know, called out for all the things they were doing. And I said, okay, I was raised in a lesbian environment, but yet I still got bit by the bug of masculinity of what a man is supposed to be. And I was just like, no, look at all the things you just learned in this relationship. You need to create something to help men or help people with that. <laughs> And that's when the concept of get real deal and heal came into my mind. And I said, okay, what is this course going to consist of? And I had the six modules in my mind, the, six, the seven modules. So then three negative behavioral patterns was, you know, the self-centered fear, unrealistic, unrealistic expectations and perfectionism. And the antidotes are, are gratitude, living in the moment and, uh, Oh, geez. Gratitude living in the moment. And oh my God, the other one's slipping my mind. It'll come to me. But, uh, and I collated this transformational toolkit. Gratitude living in the moment. Wow, I can't believe I forgot. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so I immediately started working on this course. And I said, I need more information for this course. And that's when all of a sudden I'm perusing the internet and I saw positive psychology. Now, I didn't know what positive psychology was. And I started reading about it and it's the study of human flourishing. And I was like, wow. So I decided that I wanted to get a certification in positive psychology. And the reason why I wanted to get it, uh, a certificate in positive psychology is because I think it's great when people go to therapy and they're able to heal their trauma but therapy takes you to a certain point where they say, okay, you healed the trauma. What's next? What do you do next? What is the meaning for your life? How do you, what are the skills that you could learn in order to help you live a flourishing in life? Such as what's the difference between growth and fixed mindset, resilience, self-regulation, communication skills, vitality, how to take care of yourself. So I basically decided to get the certification in positive psychology. I created this course called Get Real, Deal, and Heal. And this was going to be for your manga. And then I said to myself, okay, if I want to create a one-stop shop for men and have all these services, what else do I need to become certified in? Because if I'm going to be hiring subcontractors for the business, I need to understand what they do, what their roles are. So I said, let me become, I always loved yoga. Let me get my certification in yoga. So I became a certified yoga instructor. Then I said, okay, well, integrative medicine has been very important to me because I forgot to mention, I suffered digestive issues my whole life. I had surgery on my stomach and I had my gallbladder taken out. 
And I know that probably a lot of it was because of the anxiety and the trauma that I had to deal with. You know, some of it was mechanical, but a lot of it was mental. And so I wanted to take a holistic approach in order to not only address people's um, primary foods, but also their secondary foods. Primary foods are the foods that people eat and consume off their plate. But more importantly, secondary foods are your wheel of life. Everything that's in your wheel of life. If you look at a pie chart, your relationships, your business, and one of those things is out of whack, most likely you're going to be out of whack with the things that you're eating because you're using substances to help you cover up some of the feelings you may be experiencing. So I wanted to get that certification. And then I said one more certification I'm gonna get in transformational mindset because I want to understand how the brain works, right? I discussed earlier about how your beliefs influence your thoughts and your thoughts influence your feelings and feelings influence your, your actions and then the results. So I got that certification. And then I realized, okay, I have all these certifications. I wanted to create the Yomenga thing, which I'm doing, but let me create something else, something for everyone, you know, not just for men. And that's when I came up with Holistic Wellcare Advisors and holisticwellcare.co. So, you know, present, fast forward to right now, I have three initiatives that I'm working on. So I have the Omenga, which is the exclusive care for the everyday man. I have holistic wellcare advisors, which is you know uh, for everyone for that provides different services such as psychology, life coaching, nutrition, yoga, massage, chiropractic care. Because I believe if you want to take a holistic approach, you for mental and emotional well-being, physical well-being, you can't have one without the other. You know, it's just impossible to do that. So that's kind of where I am today. So there's my story, guys. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's been more of a monologue than an interview so far. Um, but I absolutely love it because, first of all, thank you, obviously, for sharing your story with us now because there's so many insights there. And I'm sure our listeners are going to really relate to that. I oh, there's again, there's so many different directions we could go with this. Um, do you want to ask? Yeah, I think um, I would love to kind of focus um, the conversation going forward on the, we mentioned obviously in the intro at the start that you teach life concepts that aren't normally taught in, in at home school or work. Now we, right. like we're under the same agreement, we're on the same page, we're very aligned with what you said about that the physical, mental, emotional doesn't work on its own. Everything is interconnected, it's integrated, it's, it's it affects and influences each other. So, and we teach our clients and we kind of show them those misconceptions out there and what's not taught um, and debunking those myths out there. So I would love to know um, from those life concepts that you teach, what what's the one most significant? I know it's probably loads, <laughs> but yeah. if you can pick out one, what's the one most significant life concept that we are not taught at home school or, or in the workplace, do you think? it came right to my mind is how to question your thoughts that, you know, how, and basically how your brain works, you know, physiologically mm -hmm. that you have a limbic system and you have a prefrontal cortex and you're not at the mercy of your emotions that you could question your thoughts in real time and become your own CBT therapist. Right. Uh, you know, so it's like, 
people don't really understand the concept of thinking traps that you could get caught in and the beliefs that you have, right? These beliefs are tied to your thoughts, such as I'm not good enough, what's wrong with me? I'm not good at, you know, uh, why don't people like me? And when you have this thought, you know, it's like, okay, how do I practice the pause, right? To not just go spiral down the rabbit hole that I have a choice to think logically. Am I making an assumption about this, right? Am I mind reading? Am I externalizing? Am I personalizing? Am I maximizing? Am I minimizing the thought? And it's like, okay, what is the evidence for? And what is the evidence against this thought, right? That I'm having. And then you think of, you know, three things or two things that questions that thought to bring you back into balance to say, oh yeah, I just made up something that isn't reality. You know, because most of us make up something that isn't really real because we haven't gathered the facts. We're making assumptions. We love to make assumptions. And when we make assumptions, some people react very strongly. It just, it triggers a feeling, like a biological feeling, neurochemical feeling. And then we do an action that we may regret. And then there's a result as, you know, and then we just kind of repeat the pattern. So, you know, I think it's basically really learning how to question your thoughts in real time, real time resilience skills. That's huge. We, we, quality of thinking yeah. is a big deal in our coaching around the language that we're using internally and externally. The beliefs, obviously, as you mentioned, is absolutely key because we're all walking around the world, literally like attaching meanings to everything where those meaning come from nobody really questions right until they do (laughs) until it becomes necessary and often we have to experience a certain amount of pain before we start to question those thoughts and those feelings um specifically the the thoughts but it's the feelings that then get somebody's attention that there's a problem right if we were just overthinking positive stuff all the time then people probably wouldn't have so much of an issue with that um so when these negative emotions come up that are obviously a response most of the time from quality of thinking what would you advise somebody to do with your background and your experience in those moments because sometimes yes it is as easy as reflecting and checking in with the the line of questioning or the line of thinking but sometimes there's obviously a little bit more attention that's required in the emotion itself What, what would you say to somebody that needs to know that well, I created on my website, I created burst your emotional bubble chart. And <laughs> nice. I've, taken, I've taken these emotions such as like anger and jealousy. And it's like a little circle, like a little bubble. And then off of the bubble, there's like six or seven things that you could do, right? To help you try to practice the pause, right? Like one of the things I think people don't understand about positive psychology is people think oh positive psychology you're just going to learn they're going to teach you how to be positive all the time (laughs) that's not what positive psychology is positive psychology is it's giving you the tools to understand your emotions which are normal like you know when people say oh don't be negative i hate that because you're going to be negative we're human these are the emotions Mm -hmm. that make us who we are and we have to we have to embrace those emotions because if we don't, then we're going to stuff the emotion and then we're in denial and then those things pile on top of each other and then we kind of just explode at some point. So what positive psychology teaches you, and I hope I'm answering your question, is that you want to embrace those emotions 
But the most important thing is not to get stuck in the emotion, like depression and fear and this thing. Because when you get stuck, then that causes a whole other, you know, thing that could cause anxiety and depression and make you physically ill, which we all have experienced in our lives. So that's, so, you know, sitting in the emotion, understanding the emotion, if you need to pick up the phone and call somebody because you're feeling the way that you're feeling, you know, do that, uh, go out in nature, right? And just meditate on the feeling, um, listen to some music, whatever it is, write, write down, journal what's going on. Um, I, and understand, like give yourself, say, you know what, I'm going to give myself 15 to 20 minutes to just feel this emotion. But then, you know, the tools that I've learned, which you could get from the emotional pocket guide, right? Pull that out. It's a choice, right? It's a choice for you to decide how long you want to hold on to something and whether or not you want to take action steps in order to make yourself feel better. So that's kind of what I would recommend to yeah. people. Perfect. Perfect. Love it. Absolutely love it. I'm glad that you mentioned there on that positive psychology isn't just thinking positively because that in itself yeah. is so unresourceful. Um, and it, there's a little bit too much of that has been happening over the last probably I would say a couple of years I've noticed it if you look on social media and the, the kind of lifestyles that are being portrayed it's not necessarily real and authentic now I understand obviously there's there's a you're very passionate about authenticity right and, and living that truth so tell us a little bit more about that if you can uh well living the truth I don't know it's like it just makes my life easier <laughs> like uh how can I best describe it without sounding, um, I don't know, like I don't want to come across as if I'm being like I'm high on my horse that this is, this takes a lot of work, you know, it's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not something like, you know, when it comes to resilience and it comes to getting to where I am now, where things don't bother me as much as they used to, it takes a, it takes a lot of deliberate practice like this, like if you want to change and become a different person, you have, it's like repetition over and over and over. Like you have to build new neural pathways in your brain and shed some of these old beliefs that you have. Not that those beliefs go away because I have moments where I, if I'm tired or I'm hungry or, I'm, you know, just feeling sick, that could just trigger like a pain body where I revert back to, you know, a, to a person that I was, but I, I'm aware now that I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. So then I have to, it's almost mechanical. It's, it's that I reach into my tool chest and say, okay, these are the things that I have to do in order to pull myself out of it based on what we had discussed previously. Um, so I think living my truth is just being 100% vulnerable with myself and being honest with the people who are around me about what I'm feeling within the moment, communicating that. So that way I, number one, and being honest with myself, number two, people are sensitive and, you know, there's an energy that we all emit, you know, we're energy beings and you could feel someone's energy, right? 
And if you don't communicate to that person exactly what you're feeling, you could trigger an insecurity in them, right? Because we all come with different baggage, right? And we have to be cognizant of that. We have to be aware that if I know my partner has X, Y, and Z, you know, uh, kind of pain bodies, I need to respect that, right? So it doesn't trigger something in them. It's almost as if we really want to uh, look at people, not like as adults, but look at them. How can my inner child uh, be um, uh, in harmony with their inner child? It's like, I always want to respect someone else's inner child, but in order to do that, you have to get to know them and understand them. So that's kind of how I, I live my that answers your question. So my question to you then, Dan, would be um, how how would you effectively communicate your feelings? So someone was listening to this and they were going, it sounds great, but how how do I communicate my feelings? What would you say to them? I would say you just have to <laughs> express how you're feeling, I guess. You know, like if you're feeling angry, I think I think what's really important before I express it's just not as easy as saying i want to express my because you know there people grow up in family situations where they're afraid to express their feelings yeah. right so it's hard to find yeah i think the hardest thing is finding someone you could trust i know for myself it was very difficult because i was scared to tell people how i feel because i was afraid that they would wouldn't like me like, you know, we're always worried about what other people think of us. I think we want to get to a point where we don't care. And I think that's the internal work that we have to do to love. Once we learn to love ourselves fully, then we, and we understand ourselves, then we don't worry about that. Um, so, you know, it, it's a hard, you know, your question is great, but it, it's, it's a very hard question. And I sympathize with people who may not have someone that they could talk to maybe they could find a teacher or they if they really are having issues go to a therapist there's no harm in trying to find somebody they could help or maybe with social media social media yes it has its downfalls but there's many groups support groups that you could join to say this is how i'm feeling can you please listen to me to help me um there's, there's a lot of outlets that you could use, but I think when it comes to just, it, it comes to making that decision, right? And really not worrying, like this is about you. This is about you and your life and you surviving in this world and becoming the person that you wanna be and being the best person that you could be. And, and this is a gift that we have, you know, of life. So do what you can in order to, you know, uh, embrace it and realize that there are good people out there there you know that there is good we there's too much bad that we see because that's just you know because of our fight flight and freeze mechanism we tend to just focus on more negative but there's a lot of other there's a lot of good in the world you know there's the goodnewsnetwork.org it's a website that you could go to that houses all good news but you know, just, just try and, you know, realize that you're worth it. And there are good people in this world, and someone will listen to you.
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. I think it's like you say. It's finding that safe space to be able to express. Um, I went through that when obviously growing up. My, I was very good at expressing anger, but that was it. <laughs> expressing anything yeah. else was not an option for me um, because of the fact that I my identity was attached to my anger. So anything else would ruin my identity and what I built up around myself. So I would never express anything else. Um, and at the time, I had no idea what emotions were anyway. So yeah, it was yeah. having even it was I had no safe space at that point to to express them. Um, and I think that's that's so key. Like you said, it's finding what what where you feel safe, whether that's a partner, whether that's a friend, whether that's a therapist, whatever that is for you, it's finding that safe space to be able to express those emotions, I think is key. I just to add to that as well, I would say it's essential to just first be honest with yourself. <laughs> Maybe before you even try and express it to somebody else, yeah. just sit with it, like you mentioned earlier, Dan, is, is just sit with it and just try and recognize what what is this? Mm. Right. And if, if you can't articulate it, then maybe there's another way you can communicate. For me, I like to paint. And oh. interestingly, since I started to paint, I've I've been wondering, why did I decide to paint that? Mm. And then I'm like, whoa, OK, there's a message there for me that I need to I need to recognize this. I need to, to learn from this. And and then the words start to come. Um, that's why I love one of the things you mentioned about bursting the emotional bubbles, like listening to music as well. That can be so mm. therapeutic in many ways. And from there, even if you have to, one of a better way of, of putting this, to like almost borrow somebody else's words to get you started, that something that resonates, obviously, something that's, that's your truth, but maybe it's just a different way of expressing it. That's also a powerful place to start because it opens the conversation. But I think the the trust and safety mm -hmm. is so, so important massively. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely want to feel safe and trust somebody for sure. Mm -hmm. It's it's but it, you know, in this day and age, it's difficult. It's difficult yeah. to do. Some people just don't have that. And my heart believes for them. I hope yeah. that they can. And you know, that's one of the things I say a prayer sometimes, like I pray for the people who don't know how to pray <laughs> that they could you know yeah. find something something higher than themselves to help them you know to get by yeah 100 mm -hmm. listen dan i've loved having this conversation with you and there's so many more questions we could go we want to be conscious of time for, for obviously our listeners but is there anything else you'd like to add to the conversation today that you feel like maybe our listeners need to know any final words uh no i think i said it all i think we've had a really great discussion i mean i just you know i'm hoping that uh you know people will take from this conversation uh some of the, the discussion points that uh we pointed out to add, that it will add value to their lives i hope that it resonated with them some of the feelings that um that i had mentioned as far as shame and and that they they understand that you know if i could get through it with the experiences that i've gone through and experiences that you know you had mentioned anger you know that they could get through it and that they could reach out to you or people like me or whoever they need that you know that that it's they're going to be okay you know as long as they take the steps in order to you know, to do that so you know, that that's really what I wanted to, to if, if there's someone listening to this on the verge of taking those steps and they're just they're, they've got like one foot in what would you say to them 
to take that next step? I would say, I'd say, don't be fearful. Fear, fear stands for false evidence appearing real, you know, and that you're worth it. And that there's, you may be feeling what you're feeling right now and feeling scared and not wanting to look at maybe some trauma or whatever's going on in your life. But I can guarantee you, guarantee you, if you do that footwork, right, you are going to feel so free and it's going to open up, you know, areas of your life and that you never you're going to basically be introduced to your higher self that you never knew existed. And it's going to feel like a weight's been lifted off your shoulders. And more importantly, the work that you do and the rabbit hole that you climb out of, you're going to take those experiences and you're going to pay it forward and help someone else, which is going to even propel it and make it even more beneficial and make your life even happier. The fact that you went through it and you're able to help someone else as well climb out of that rabbit hole. So don't be fearful. It's going to work out for you. Beautiful. Nice. Very nice. Excellent. <laughs> so Dan, we just want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great conversation with you. But before we let you go, is let our listeners know where they can find you and find out more about what you do. So I have my own personal website called holisticwellcare.coach. I'm also on social media as well. But Facebook, Instagram, yeah. LinkedIn, all those places. I also have another website, holisticwellcareadvisors.com um, and another website called uh, yomenda.com. So, you know, for personalized training, uh, you go to the holisticwellcare.coach and those resources that are there, such as the Get Real Deal and Heal course. And by the way, for any of your listeners who are interested in the Get Real Deal and Heal course, if they provide you their email address, I will give them access to the course for free. Okay, so oh, that awesome. thank you, great. thank so you for that. For thank, well, no problem. You know, <laughs> we're here to help people, and I want them to get what all they can for, you know, for just listening to the show. I will, you know, obviously, and thank. I, I want to just, I really appreciate just you having me on your show. They can also find the uh, the uh, burst your bubble emotional bubble chart as well there, which is free. <laughs> And um, that's it. Awesome. Yep. Thank you so yep. much for those gifts. Definitely. The links, as always, will be yep. in the show we'll put notes. Everything in there, so it's yep. easy for people to find to find everything that you just mentioned. But most importantly, yeah. thank thank you for the gift yeah. of of you, and thank you for coming wow, today and for so. showing up and sharing everything that you have. It's really powerful, and I really hope our listeners. Go back and listen to this again with a pen and paper if they didn't the first time, old school, um, and and really, really see what they can they can take from this because there's so many gems in there, um, and you're a real inspiration with your own story and with the work that you're doing. So please keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Then share it with a friend who you think might benefit. Spread the word. That's how we're going to impact the world by helping each other. We appreciate you so much and as always, unconditional love and wellness to you.